online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound, the Wickham Wanderers Show. A very good evening and welcome to episode eight. We're not counting them, are we? <laughs> we're not, no. I Stop we, counting. We're still counting at four, I think. I've already overdone it. Uh, welcome along, though. A fantastic week as we celebrate Wickham Wanderers first point in the championship. Oh, it was fantastic on Tuesday night. It was it was really good, um, and and everybody uh, at Adams Park uh, had a, a big grin on their face, uh, who was of the light and dark blue persuasion. And against Watford as well. It Indeed. Just... <laughs> I, I, I couldn't see it at all. Um, as I said to Luke on drive time, uh, when I was reporting in from the ground beforehand, I thought Watford probably would win fairly comfortably. Um, and the fact that it didn't happen... and uh, But it also, it goes back to the thing we keep saying. Wickham have played so well in the majority of games so far this season and do not deserve um, to be where they are in the Championship. Uh, and it was fantastic that actually, uh, against Watford, finally... You know, we got a point. That's so cruel to have that uh, point snatched away on Saturday. Oh, as well. dear, yes. Gavin Ward, you won't be forgiven in these parts for a long, long time. <laughs> uh, definitely, no, sorry, Mr Referee, you weren't very good on, on Saturday. So coming up in the next hour, we'll get Gareth Ainsworth's thoughts post those two games. We'll also hear from uh, uh, free kick and corner specialist Joe Jacobson as well. We'll be hearing from Matt Cecil uh, about the club's decision not to publish a programme on Tuesday for the first time in years. Park life. Indeed. Uh, also, we'll be chatting to 50s striker uh, Dennis Atkins. Some fantastic stories, including uh, he played, in fact, in the uh, the first time we can play Watford in 1959. He loves a bit of it, he does. Um, and we'll also be hearing from Will the Chef. Um, we're not, not exactly sure uh, whether Will is the chef for Wickham Wanderers uh, or somewhere else, but we're going to find that out later on. Uh, but he has been uh, heavily involved in uh, the club's decision uh, to be giving free meals to school children, um, which of course happened today between 12 and 2 and will be happening again tomorrow. Uh, it was David Wheeler who actually came up with the initiative, uh, obviously from Marcus Rashford's campaign. Um, but a fantastic thing that the club are doing um, and, and hats off to them. Absolutely, it's a great initiative and uh, a great thing to do during half term. So let's kick off this evening by casting our minds back to last Saturday and uh, Carrow Road. You made the trip to Norwich. I you did. S- you said on last week's show you had to take extra care. <laughs> yes. Or concentrate, no, concentrate. You uh, said, yes, I, I said to you, I didn't like going to Norwich because you have to concentrate. It's not just like a motorway where you can just sit on it, but you know, it's an A road with lots of roundabouts, which is slightly frustrating. Uh, but I did manage to get there safely uh, without the police stopping me um, and got home again as well, uh, even though it was blowing a bit of a gale on the way back. Um, you know, I, sorry, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but once again, you know, we played so well. Um, obviously, Norwich scored really, really early on, uh, and you did sort of think, oh, okay, you know, this is how this afternoon's going to go. It's it's going to be more like Blackburn again. Um, but no, y- you know, within a couple of minutes, actually, Wickham fought their way back into it. Obviously, uh, we we then scored again, which was you know just fantastic. Scott Cashgate getting his second goal of the season, um, and then hung on for you know a- about seventy nine minutes until so un- uh, cruelly and unfairly uh, Norwich then were awarded a free kick and okay all right probably the free kick was a free kick um, but there had been many many decisions before that that the referee Gareth, uh, Gavin Ward uh, definitely got wrong most notably of all uh, the fact that uh, a Norwich player who had already been yellow carded uh, then did commit a foul uh, and really that should have been a penalty foul on Fred uh, in the penalty area and you thought right okay you know this should be a penalty uh, and if so then probably you're getting a second yellow card so we would have been in with the opportunity to go two and up against ten men uh, but no 
the the referee and you know and pretty much everybody in Carrow Road thought it was everybody in the press box not only those that were supporting Wickham but you know it was everybody was saying you know de- definite stonewall penalty um but no uh Gavin Ward waved it away um you do start to wonder you know I, I don't really want to be calling for VAR in the championship because I, I don't think it adds very much I think the Premier League games you know the, the people that I know um that have sort of have to live with it week in week out say that it's not very good but those decisions you do think well yeah actually maybe we should have VAR in the championship because Gareth alludes to it but do you think it's because you know Wickham are new to the division and, and you know the, the, the more established teams get the decisions go Definitely. their way yeah I mean that seems to be how it is um, you know and again I know that that's something that, that you see time and again in the Premier League that it's very much felt that you know the big six teams uh, particularly if they're playing one of the smaller teams you know normally get the decision and it seems to be exactly the same in the championship that yes the referee you know looked at it and thought well you know yes okay Norwich have you know probably got more talented players than Wickham so therefore does that mean Wickham are more likely to to foul and more likely to be trying to deceive to get the decisions and uh, I can only conclude that yes that's you know that's what he and some of his colleagues think Uh, the fact that we heard that you know oh it'll be all right in the championship you'll get better referees uh, no, I, I, I don't think the evidence so far has shown that. So frustration to end the, uh, the game on Saturday up at Carroll Road, and uh, that was echoed in uh, Bob's questions to Gareth. Gareth, I feel gutted and slightly furious, whereas actually you look very, very calm at the moment. That's all right. I'm not going to lose it. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm seven games into a championship season, which, uh, if I'm honest, was beyond our wildest dreams, and we're absolutely loving. The performance today was superb. Really, really was, and uh, I'm glad that there's a handful of people here. I hope they're going to report good things about that, because... Um, crazy start you know we, we seemed to be the opposite of what I was asking but as soon as they scored we uh, we, we slipped into gear great great goal for us to get back in it well deserved and, uh, and then penalty shout which I cannot believe the referee hasn't given um, and if he gives the penalty it's got to be a red card as well um, there's a potential another booking on somebody we're just not getting it at the moment uh, Wickham seem to be on the end of uh, of some decisions that are baffling me at the moment but um, maybe it's because we're this new club in the championship that not many people have heard of but we're making a noise and uh, performances like that will go a long way in securing our future and I'm really really proud of the boys today I mean what I always think is brilliant about you is you are very fair about referees but I'm assuming that Gavin Ward is not going to be on your Christmas card list this year Hi, I'm, listen I wouldn't like to be a ref I always say that I just hope that the um, eyes are on the world and we'll see that and go, you know what they were hard done by today and uh, it's not all about results um Performances are important, very important, and uh, every single boy in that uh, in that dressing room has given me everything. Um, as a manager, what more can I ask? You know, that's, that's all I can ask, and uh, it's up to me to get it right tactically and, and selection-wise. Um, and it's just gone against us today. I think um, everything was spot on. Just, just tiny little detail there with uh, with maybe a referee's decision or you know a, a sloppy free kick or the first five minutes we're chasing the game, but. Um, you know, I think on the whole, I'm really pleased with 99% of that performance. It's a real good performance, and if we keep playing like that, we'll have no worries staying in the championship. What I thought was really good as well was at the end, and just like at the end of the Reading game, everyone looked disappointed. Everyone really did look good like, you know, it's yeah, not like we've not been in the game, you know. We're really in the game, and it's been nicked away from us at the last minute. It happens, but it happens the other way too, and I'm hoping that the second half of the season, or the, 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 you know, the next part of the season after international breaks come in again and we get these. I mean... The season is a, a long old season. I think there's 39 games to go. There's 100 and 
however many points still available and we, we only need about 50 of them and, uh, and I'm pretty sure that there's enough in that dressing room to get those So you must I guess really put into perspective that it's, it's still very early in the season uh, Indeed yes the fact that uh, you know 100 plus points are still available um, is, you know, is, is good to hear um, and Gareth clearly believes in the, the sort of well eventually you know if you're not getting the decisions they'll go luck, for you Exactly your luck will turn at some point and you will start getting the decisions across a, a 46 game season so I thought that you know that was quite good uh, it was a little bit windy by the way <laughs> and, and it was one of those situations it seemed to sort of like wait uh, until actually each person was interviewing Gareth to then like really really do these big gusts of wind so you couldn't really hear what he was saying have you got any other highlights of your trip to East Anglia? We've, we've established windy. <laughs> uh, any uh, other observations? Uh, windy um, and uh, everybody very friendly. It Did was, you see Delia? Uh, didn't see Delia. Ed no. Balls? No. Uh, no, didn't see Ed Balls either. Ed Sheeran. No, he's uh, in Switch, isn't No, he? no, didn't, didn't see Ed Sheeran. Um, there were there a lot of um, Wickham um, the f- sort of uh, fans, or they're not Wickham fans, but the, the people who Wickham took um, who sat in the director's box were very, very, very vocal. I know I, I say this every time, but they really were on Saturday. Uh, I don't know whether Pete Kuhig had taken a load of his contingent because it, you know, it did feel, again, almost like there was a little away section. And the other bizarre thing about the game... Um, and I, I know that Norwich obviously clearly felt that this was bizarre as well because they did keep um, putting up on their various screens things about, you know, let the fans in and whatever. But certain Norwich fans were allowed at the game into one of the, the lounges at Carrow Road. However, they weren't allowed anywhere near the pitch and the pitch had to be, like, curtained off so that they couldn't see it. But they watched the game on TV. And you think, well, hang on, how odd is that? that you're allowed to sit in a room and watch a game of football at a football stadium, but you're not allowed to sit in the open air in the stadium and watch the same game. Similarly, there was a West Ham game that was available in a local cinema. Yeah, and you just, think, well, yeah. that's indoors. <laughs> that's, it's just mad. How, you know, who's making the rules? Football 2020. Yeah. Disco. Crazy. Uh, before we move on to the Watford game, uh, news of the poll of this week. Indeed, yes. Um, so uh, Uchi Ikpiatsu uh, has, has been called up this week um, uh, internationally. Uh, and so we want to know who else you think should get an international cap. Uh, we have narrowed it down uh, to three people, uh, uh, one of which, and I think he'd be absolutely brilliant, um, is uh, Joe Jacobson. Uh, you know, fantastic free kicks, uh, clearly. And, and the fact, I'm sure, you know, that the Wales would be very grateful, the fact that he can can score from corners. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Fred, Fred Onyedimna, obviously uh, another uh, candidate. Um, and uh, the final candidate, uh, Scott Kashkett. No, that's possibly a slight long shot because, you know, Scott very much is, is English. But even so, he's playing so well in the championship that we thought we'd add him to the list. Uh, and you can also go for another as well um, and let us know who that person would be. So let's move on to talk about Watford. We haven't mentioned how. Uh, yes, if you if you uh, you can tweet us at Wickham Sound. Oh, indeed, yes. And, um, uh, use the hashtag, hashtag TWWS. Yeah, we need to set that together. <laughs> yes, that could be our new thing. Needs more work. So Watford on Tuesday night. Uh, you were going as uh, well. As an, as an independent, I suppose um, you might yeah, say. Yeah, no, I was very much going um, with the uh, uh, light and dark blue quarters on, even though, um, and I did say this to Luke, and I, I have admitted it on the air before, um, uh, I was born um, in the hospital next door to Vicarage Road uh, and was brought up in the area. So, uh, you know, naturally, uh, I do believe in supporting your local team. Uh, so was, uh, and actually still am a Watford season ticket holder, as well as now living in Wickham and also being a Wickham season ticket holder whole season tickets for both um, and you know and pretty much get to a fair number of games uh, each season um, so yes I did go along to the game um, on Tuesday night but very much with my Wickham hat on uh, mainly because 
we needed the points. Yes. Um, and, and also, you know, in the grand scheme of things, really, you know, Watford didn't need the help. They didn't need the support. You know, the team that's just come down from the Premier League with all of that talent should really quite comfortably be able to beat Wickham Wanderers. Um, but clearly it didn't happen like that. And Wickham played fantastically well, really, really well, thoroughly deserved it. Um, and, you know, and was the, the, the irony was so often this season we've said, oh, you know, we're so unlucky not to get a point. Well, actually, on Tuesday night, so unlucky not to get all three points. And so exciting speaking to you after the game as well, to hear of the, of the many, many chances that were created as well. Yeah, I mean, th- that was the thing, that particularly in the first half, you know, Wickham created three or four chances, uh, in particular the one that Bayo blasted over the bar, uh, that, you know, really we should have gone in at half-time, possibly one, possibly two nil up. Um, it was also nice to hear that, you know, there were comments uh, at the end from the Watford manager and also from Ben Foster, you know, very, very complimentary and very much saying, you know, actually, you know, we were very lucky that we didn't lose that game because really that I think they felt that they deserved it. Ben Foster got man of the match and I think that says it all. Um, and, you know, and you could see just the quality of him, um, how he is not still playing really A, in the Premier League and B, for England. You know, I mean, I know he retired sort of for, from England, but, you know, he, he's a fantastic keeper. It must have been so exciting to see a second goal as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and again, y- you did sort of feel that it it wasn't going to happen. Uh, it, it felt very familiar. Once Watford scored, you thought, oh, OK, you mm. know, we've we, we done really well. I can't quite see how we're going to get back into this. And certainly for the 10, 15 minutes after Watford scored, we didn't really look like we were going to be able to get back in it. But then, you know, set piece, Anthony Stewart doing again like he did at Wembley. Uh, super goal. Um, and, you know, again, we had chances after that. Um, and clearly, you know, put the ball in the net. Another Joe Jacobson special, um, which came possibly off Alex Samuel, Ben Foster, depending on who you, you speak to. Uh, but again, unfortunately, uh, the referee who clearly doesn't know about JJ and his corners decided that somehow Ben Foster had got fouled and so disallowed it. Um, having said that, though, then I think we have to also talk about the Glenn Murray chance right at the end for Watford when all of a sudden, mm. you know, there he was unmarked in the area um, and it, it, it really it looked easier for him to hit the target than to put it wide. And again, you thought every game this season we know exactly what's going to happen now you know it, the net's going to bulge and we're you know our hearts are going to be broken and goodness me you put it wide and you know and we all breathed the sigh of and quite quickly after that the referee blew the whistle and you know and yes the, the celebrations went on quite long into the night well we'll hear from joe jacobson about his prize winning corners in a few moments time uh, but first uh, bob spoke to gareth after the game you were so unlucky as well i felt not to actually get all three points against the side who, who beat liverpool back in february <laughs> yeah it's awesome to say that you know and, and when you do say that it's a real belief you know these boys are stepping up their game you know aren't they stuart goal what a fantastic finish that was and and chances Scott Cashcut looks lively in every game he plays in Bale being back I thought was an absolute talisman captain's performance by him um, really thought we deserved all three points tonight and if anyone says different then they see football a little bit differently to me but um, it was it was a real complete performance uh, apart from conceding that one goal and uh, and we'll have to work on that but um, I'm sure Saturday will come quick and uh, get these boys recovered for for the next battle and the next points on the board that's going to keep us in this championship I thought what was so impressive as well was that actually you came from behind yeah and that's a step you know first of all is the first point it was a 
it was a comeback uh, again, which is something new to us. You know, we we, first, we scored the first goal, and uh, well, actually Norwich on Saturday we came back into that one as well. So there's two two times there against two Premier League sides really set up to go back to the Premier League. They've scored against us, and we've we've not accepted that. We've we've come back and we've got back in the games, which has been. You know, a real, a real powerful statement from Wickham Wanderers. You know, so absolutely brilliant. Um, really looking forward to to Saturday now, and 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 then we've got Birmingham and Forest coming after that. These all sound like cup ties to me, and uh, and it's awesome just to be in there. Well, and it is wonderful as well. And I think people who've seen every game will know that actually we are competing in this division. The last four games, definitely. Now, first three give me a little time to work this league out and uh, I thought we did in Blackburn and Swansea obviously we got taught lessons about what's going to happen in this league and how we have to sort it out but the last three games we've played three different formations to uh, to try and negate what the opposition do and I think we've been brilliant I think Millwall would deserve something you know the corner goes straight in we could have got a point Norwich on Saturday I mean more talk about the referees' decisions there the, the worst I feel uh, and tonight you know again we've scored direct from a corner which Joe Jacobson's not—it's not a rarity for him, you know. He does it often, and uh, and the referee's seen something in there which I haven't seen again. But I'm maybe uh, blue quarter tinted glasses—you never know. Um, but brilliant performances, and if we keep playing like that, we'll have no worries of staying in this league this season. Really proud, and uh, and you know that one's for for our American owners as well. They've backed me to the hill, and uh, I'm hoping they've seen that tonight and gone. You know what? We're proud of what we are, and uh, we're Wickham Wanderers. It does sound fantastic. You get a feel there's a bit of a, a turner being a turner, a corner being turned. That makes more sense. Uh, these are actual words now. Um, uh, fantastic as well for uh, Joe Jacobson, who uh, this week has been named in the Sky Bet Championship Midweek Team of the Week. Hooray! And very well deserved. <laughs> Absolutely, he's having a, having a great season so far, and caught up with Bob afterwards as well. Uh, I asked you before the season began whether you practiced um, scoring from corners, and I'm pretty sure you said no. Are you sure you weren't lying? Uh, look, we we so Sometimes we'll do set pieces with um, with Dobbo, um, the assistant manager, and he he goes through where to hit the ball, where to. And sometimes he says shoot. Sometimes he tells me, you know, to have a look if he sees weaknesses in the opposition. And um, today wasn't actually one of those days, but um, we have a few different corner routines that we do, um, and a few little subtle changes. And and today, you know, we we scored from one, we nearly scored from another. So it's an important aspect of the game. There's lots of free kicks, lots of corners go on every game of football in, in the world. So why not try? And make the most of all of them I've seen all of the games this season and you've competed in almost all of those today I felt you were really unlucky not to actually get all three points yeah so do I I, th- I think um, we haven't got the points that we probably deserve this season especially the last probably two or three games at Reading and, and Norwich I thought we performed really well and like I said in the, in the change room we've, we've grown every week and we've, we've managed to kind of um, have that belief that we do deserve to be here and we're capable of being here and, and competing at this level and we've played you know Reading who are top of the league and we've played Norwich and, and Watford two teams coming down from the Premier League who are expected to go straight back up and, and more than held our own against both of those teams so you know we, we've, we know it's a tough league but we've got to have the belief that we're good enough to compete and you know I think tonight will give us that springboard to, to think right we, we're good enough to get points and, and go, score goals and, and hopefully we can move up the table How good was it to have Bayo tonight um, doing the little flick-ons that he does yeah he's, he's a huge asset for us and um, when he's on the pitch we, we've got to use him there's no point in having him on the pitch and not using him but I think people don't realise how good he is with the ball at his feet and he created a lot of chances today you know holding up the ball setting people and, and that starts attacks and things like that and he's in, integral to how we play so uh, he has been a big miss and, and now that he's back and he's obviously not 100% fit yet but you know the more minutes he gets on the pitch the, the stronger he looks and I think today he wasn't supposed to play as, mu- 
many minutes as he did, but he felt good, he felt strong, he was he was being important for us and he was causing havoc for the opposition. So so I don't think the gaffer wanted to take him off at any point. But um, again, it's a, it's another positive for us to have him back involved and, and Big Ooch as well coming back fit is, a, is another huge thing for us. I noticed at the, the end that Ben Foster seemed to come in the, the dressing room. Did he have a chat to you? No, I didn't speak to him. I, th- I think a few of the boys did and... and um, I think this, the save in the first half from Scotty, I think it's one of the best saves I've, I've seen live. I don't know how he's, he's read it. Um, I've not I've not spoke to him, um, but he, look, for for their goalkeeper to get man of the match says a lot about the how the game went today, and and you know that's why he's you know an, an international and playing the Premier League for so long because he's a he's a top goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean you watched him tonight and thought, well, he could still be playing for England, really. Yeah, I, I think so, definitely. I think um, you know he's, he's more than capable. Last season, he's one of the top top goalkeepers in the Premier League, so. Um, you know, fair play to him to still be at that level uh, at 37, 38, whatever he is. And, and um, you know, it looks like he's got many more years in him. Joe Jacobson is still uh, leading our poll as well as to who you think deserves an international call-up from the few games that we've had already this season. And also fantastic to catch up with Matt Cecil after the game as well to find out about the match day programme. So tonight, for the first time in probably years and years, there wasn't a programme. I know this is something that fans actually get, you know, from particularly one like me who does collect them, is it's quite passionate about. Can you just explain? You know, I think we probably all understand the reasoning, but can you explain why there wasn't a programme tonight? Yeah, I'm just like you, Bob. I think my dad's attic is still full of programmes from the 90s, and, and as a kid, I remember coming to games, picking them up, flicking through them, doing the crosswords, seeing who the mascot was, and, and you know, they were a real keepsake. And, and you know, particularly for me as programme editor for the five years previous to this one, um, a real pride of joy when it landed in the office on a Friday and we'd flick through it and, and take real pride in it. Um, so we were really excited to launch, you know, a kind of a revamp program. We brought on board a, a new program editor this, uh, this summer, um, you know, with the belief that it won't be long until fans are back. Um, and every program is going to be a collector's item. We're in the championship, you know, the, some of the teams we're playing, um, the prestige of, of the whole season means that these collector's items are going to be a, a real commodity and something that people are going to want. Um, and at that point it looked like we, we'd have fans back soon. The pilot events were running and, um, you know, it, it wouldn't be long until a number of fans were coming through the door and, and that's where we'd, we'd be selling a lot of programmes. So instead we've had to rely on um, the model of having them posted out to fans and, and obviously that comes with additional charges of, of postage. And unfortunately the first three editions have sold well below forecast um, and we've been making a loss, you know, and, and quite a heady loss, um, particularly given the time that goes into it. And it's just not something that we can sustain and it's kind of a case of cutting our losses now at the moment, I think. Um, you know, there are minimum orders and minimum quantities involved with ordering programmes. It's only fair to the publishers that, you know, they have to cover their costs as well. Um, and so just with the, the, the pattern that we were looking at from the first three programme sales was was really um, disappointing and we, we couldn't keep losing, you know, quite substantial sums of money every week. Um, so it's not the end of the programme. Um, but as with many things in football, COVID has put a big dent in, in a particular plan and, and unfortunately, um, and it is unfortunate for the, for the relatively small number of people that were buying and enjoying the programmes, we're not able to, to, uh, to sustain it really until fans come back. But as I say, it's not the end of the programme, it's just a, a brief blip in the road. I think completely understandable everything that you said. The one thing I would say is that it was marvellous this season. It really, really impressive. You know, it's always been good, but this season it really was very, very, you know, a quality product. Yeah, and as I say, uh, we brought on board a programme editor, a lad called Henry, who had great experience at Reading previously. Um, and it was his job really to be devoted to it because, as I said, you know, I'd been doing it for five years in amongst a lot of other jobs. 
and I wanted it to be quality and I wanted time to be spent on it and, and Henry nailed it straight on the design was excellent um, you know we had to put the price up and, and, and maybe that um, you know has put some people off buying it but again there's production costs um, we've got to meet our margins we have to pay Henry you know Henry's putting a lot of work into it we don't expect him to do that for free um, and so we did the sums of what we hoped would work and based on a model of selling a certain number of programs and that just wasn't being met so um, yeah uh, for now that's on pause uh, but we hope to bring it back as, as soon as we get fans back and hopefully that's soon fantastic so park life will be back park life goes on and on and on look at the joggers running round and round they love a bit of it no no okay uh, thank you very much to matt cecil uh, for speaking to us about park life uh, um still to come on the program tonight uh, we will be speaking to 1950s wickham legend dennis atkins Oh, this is my bit. Yeah, I, I thought you know, you know, a bit like Anton Deck do. I thought that's how we were going to do it. You know, yes, yes, we're the Anton Deck of this program. We are. Uh, we'll be chatting to Will the Chef. Will the Chef. We'll be asking Will the Chef. Be cooking some questions. Uh, all that to come here at Wickham Sound. This is Wickham Sound. Welcome back to the second half of the Wickham Wanderers show. Uh, I must say a big thank you to uh, the Ex-Players Association, uh, Alan Hutchison and JDT, uh, for uh, helping with uh, sorting out some players. Last week we spoke to Ken Wilson, who a couple of times I referred to as a striker, knowing full well he's a winger. Oh dear. I also told JDT we'd be speaking to Terry Evans this week, uh, meaning next week. Uh, uh, that's very bad. You're, you're but apart from that, it's all going really well. So out of ten, Colin. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, and so th- uh, this week we're speaking to someone who is an outside right. Way, way back when... Uh, uh, Mr Dennis Atkins Yes, who actually played in the first game uh, against Watford in 1959 Indeed, uh, when uh, Wanderers went down 5-1 But he got the one I saw an advert in the Evening Standard And it said Wickham Wanderers Football Club require players all positions Apply Jay McCormick Lokes Park So my father, who was a very keen player He said, you go for it So I did And I went for trials, you know, in the late summer and met other people who also were there trialling. And as a result of the trial, I was uh, signed up and started playing straight away that season. And what were your first impressions? It was a bit awe-inspiring, because it was a a step up in a way. I'd had a bit of experience in lower football, junior football, but, you know, to go over there to see what was going on and the class of the players that were there at the time... And so, you know, I was delighted that um, I was able to be picked out and, uh, and to carry on playing. And fascinating to be arriving at the club and, and their very first coach as well. That was the whole point. Um, we went, you know, there were a group of us that actually did. And the decade starting in the 50s was when Wickham, when Jimmy McCormick arrived, he culled some of the old players all of whom went and played for Aylesbury United, which included Jock McCullum, who was a legend at the time. And I didn't know that because I was not a Wickham person. Um, And Jock went to Aylesbury with the others. And uh, as a consequence, that left gaps in the team. And I was one of those that was fortunate enough to be picked for the first team for the first match. So what was it like playing under Jimmy, a former Spurs player? Wonderful. Um, if you speak to one or two of us that are still alive, <laughs> Dick Tun was another one, he instigated the push-and-run football, which Spurs played at the time, because Jimmy had played there. And so we, we actually trained very much on the push-and-run. 
uh, sort of football style, and it was really good because we did play very well that first season. We I don't think we lost until about nearly Christmas, but it was wonderful. We used to train in the tea hut, the top top stand on Lokes Park, and we used to push and run in there to our heart's content, and then played it out on the pitch as a consequence. So being a striker as you were must be a fantastic position to play in, but also, you know, must have some great players around you as well. There were. Um, I think probably one or two went and moved on, but there were some great players. And those first few seasons, of course, you had people that were brought in. Jimmy McCormack only lasted for 12 months, which was in a way unfortunate, but Sid Can came in and he brought his particular way of dealing with things and getting players and we had a lot of new players from various clubs from around and they came into the club and they became the stars of the 50s which you know people like Cliff Trott, Jackie Tomlin, Jimmy Mooring and people like that. Dennis Sarrett became a sort of first team regular in goal of course so yes it was quite a time. I've been told as well that one of the, the weapons in your arsenal was one of the most ferocious shots that had ever been seen by the fans. Well, they say that. <laughs> it's very flattering, but uh, I did pack a pretty hefty punch, but uh, I lacked other things, of course. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, that seems to have stuck, and there we are. Uh, what are your kind of overall memories? Do you, do you have a particular favourite match that stands out, or, or a particular period? I think probably the first match at Leytonstone when I was, you know, the very first game was one. I also think probably um, I didn't play at Wembley as uh, I was one of the 13, but was not uh, able to play because the others were fit enough to play and better. But nevertheless, uh, I was wonderful day it was for the whole club at Wembley, although we lost 3-1, never mind. It was such an event. And I can remember when we got back to Wickham after the match, we stopped at the cricket ground on the way in from London and the supporters towed the coach by hand from there to the Red Lion in the High Street. And in the High Street, there was the most enormous crowd. And, I, you know, I was lucky enough being part of the, of the squad, as it were, and we went up on the balcony of the old Red Lion and faced all the crowd who were cheering as though we'd won the match comfortably. But it was such an experience that I shall never, ever forget being towed in the coach from, that, from the cricket ground. But that was one game. The Watford game was a, a game I always will remember, of course, simply because of the circumstances of playing... Uh, against Watford with my partner, as he turned out to be. I became a solicitor with him, and Jim Harrowell, who was a director of Watford, we had a bit of banter about that game before we played. And then, of course, the, the press made hay out of it. And uh, as a consequence, uh, I, I remember it m much better than probably most. As you say, it must have been incredible to be part of that, that sort of era, but also, you know, people still today talk about that 57 final. Well, it was something. I think probably we weren't 100% fit. There were, I think, you know, one or two players were, had struggled to get really fit, and that left out people like Jimmy Mooring, who had 
been an outstanding and was outstanding. He'd got a broken arm and he couldn't play because of the cast that he had on his arm. And so, you know, Bishop Auckland were the better side. I think that's fair to say. But Wickham really put up a wonderful performance. And great to have such great support at Wembley as well. Oh, the support Wickham had, I mean, you have to bear in mind through from the 50s when I first started playing, for, that was through that decade, that we had crowds that were double the ones that Wickham now get for regular home games. I can remember one game, you asked me one particular game, I remember we played in the Amateur Cup at home against Marine Crosby, who were a very... A talented northern side very fa- fancied by other people and we played at Wickham in front of 12,000 people that was uh, the very first year we, we were there in the 51 and that was quite something and I can remember that we were in the red line having pre-match lunch and the Jimmy McCormick said well if we get a penalty what do we do who's going to take it and no one volunteered but I volunteered to play it to take any penalty we had. And, for, and as a matter of fact, we had one. And I managed to drill that home at the hospital end. And we won 1-0. So that's one game I do remember well as a consequence. No, it's fantastic to, to, to get your, your recollections and, and stories. As you say, even just uh, pre, pre-match, I mean, like the Red Lion Hotel sounds, sounds sort of, uh, really conjures up some great imagery. Well, it was a wonderful time. I mean, the, the Red Lion, we used to go and have meals there after the match. And, and the manager used to give us, as a, as a bonus, in those days, of course, there was some rationing still going on. And I can remember that the, the manager, Reg, he would dish out packets of tea and bacon to players who he thought had played well during that match. <laughs> Quite extraordinary. You, you can't imagine that happening today, can you? No, <laughs> you can't imagine it. But you can't also imagine the, the size of crowds that we used to play in front of. I mean, the reserves used to get over a thousand watching, and the first team, of course, had seven or eight thousand quite regularly. What do you sort of put that down to? Do you think it's just less to do in those days? I think people sort of they were local they had not much to do the, there were few cars so they used to bus in from all the villages from all around and you know there was something about it i suppose to to go and watch football at the Isthmian league level which it was i was going to say it seems strange to have massive crowds at an amateur level yet you know the professional teams don't don't seem to attract quite so, such big audiences I think people have many more things to do now, haven't they? They tend to go out in their motor car, go on holidays and families, and I think the relationship between the families is slightly different, and the husband used to decide he would watch football and the wife could do what she felt she wanted to do. But nowadays, I think, you know, there's much more pressure on people to to be able to support. And I think the sort of people in Wickham now are slightly different now, if I'm not being unkind, but, you know, it's a to- totally different sort of uh, town in the 50s to what, what it now is. It's much multicultural, which it wasn't then. Of course, but the club still retains a real, real family feel, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and when I, you know, get, have contacts, and w- I think you know that we uh, meet up every sort of October, November, all the oldies from the 50s into the 60s, and there are, what, 18 of us, maybe, 
of those days are now gradually fading, but the support we get is because we all were friends and created a most fantastic club spirit of which we all shared. And, you know, we kept friends and still are of those that we still, you know, are still alive or able. So it really is a most fantastic club. And you've got people like John Taylor and Alan Hutchinson who created this um, old Wickham Wanderers players, which has been so successful and it's so much appreciated by us old players. We don't feel lost or left, you know, forgotten. I think that's the best way of putting it. And we're just part of that club still. And that is something. It's really special. It must be so nice as well for you to be able to share your stories with, you know, similar people who, you know, perhaps who are at the 57 final or similarly, you know, more modern players who've been to the FA Trophy final or a playoff final as well. Yes. Uh, I mean, I think they look back at our, our era as, as a sort of starting point. But, of course, since then, the club has, has performed at a much greater and higher level and achieved things that we would never have even thought of in our time. You, I can remember that Frank Adams, who gave the ground to the club on the basis, that's the old Oaks Park, on the basis that it remained as an amateur club, as, you know, he, it was then totally different as a concept. Now, of course, the club became gradually more semi-professional full professional and now but never losing what we shared at the time we played obviously aside from the money aspect but do you ever do you ever wish that you were playing now or do you think that when you played that that was a special time i, I wouldn't not sure i would have been as happy playing now it's a different game totally of course i think players are so much fitter in some ways although we trained hard i think now the training is even greater and the speed at which the ball is pushed around is so much greater. I'm not sure that, for myself personally, that I would have been uh, able to play as well as I possibly did at the time when I was playing. You know, I think it's a totally different game. I mean, the long ball, the, the tackling and so forth. You, you know, you could tackle without there being any fear of being sent off, for one thing. So it was a much more physical game then. No, of course. It must be such a nice feeling as well to be part of the, the history of the club. Oh, indeed. It's, it's very pleasurable to know and to, as I say, the fact that we've got this old players association and that we meet up once a year or have done up until last year and we meet up and to sort of share our thoughts of, of what it all meant to us during that time. And it, it was hard, you know, we had to train, of course, but we made such many friends i mean we would go out socially together quite apart from the football many of us we used to go out so many places theaters and so forth with the families we used to mix no it's a really nice kind of feeling as well as you say uh, to be part of that and it must be extraordinary to think now you know from when you were playing that the club's now in the, the second tier of english football i couldn't believe it i think they were punched above their weight almost you could say uh, and I know it's tough this year, but they'll obviously gain a great deal of experience from it. But I could never have envisaged that the club would have ever reached such pinnacles, as it were. But they obviously have done well, and they deserve, you know, the success that they've got. The pity is that they haven't got more crowds to sort of bring more money in to be able to improve some of the qualities perhaps that's needed to keep at that level. No, definitely. Also, it'd be great to get a bit of insight sort of what, what you did post-Wickham as well. 
Uh, well, I was a solicitor, you see. I, I qualified as a solicitor when I was playing and uh, obviously carried on at that. And I'm, my uh, practice in Berkhamsted, which is still there, my youngest son is a partner there now in place of me, and the firm is going on. So I carried on uh, obviously working as a solicitor and did for 50 years. Must be fantastic to look back on, on, on sort of two careers, if you like. Well, it is. They're sort of comparable. And um, the, the fact that I, I'm, I'm a Berkhamsted boy, if I can put it that way, I've lived in or around Berkhamsted all my life. So although it's only 15 miles away, um, nevertheless, you know, it's, Wickham is in my heart, as it were, because of what it gave to me. Thank you so much to Dennis Atkins for speaking to us on the Wickham Wanderers show. Um, I was just chatting uh, about the fact that I've got the Watford Wickham programme in front of me from uh, the uh, 1950s. Um, and Dennis has got a little bit in the programme. Uh, so this is the description of Dennis. Uh, Dennis Atkins, outside right, uh, has been with the club since he was very young, but had a spell with St Albans City. A very powerful player with... The strongest shot in the game on his appearances with the senior team has proved his worth as a goal scorer and a very fast player, uh, has represented the Barks and Bucks South versus North. And I believe his boss is a Watford director, as we rightly know he was now. Nice feature of the show now. Bob reads to us. <laughs> Indeed. Bob, Bob reads from old programmes. <laughs> we'll do that every week from now on. Absolutely. No, I, I like that idea. Um, we are still running our poll on Twitter. Who do you think should uh, qualify for, for an international cap uh, after uh, Uchi Ikpiatsu became the latest Wiccan player uh, to do so? Uh, we have given you the options of Joe Jacobson, uh, Scott Kashket, and the Fred Onyadimna. And we're also asking you uh, to for uh, another player, uh, if you so wish to, uh, and let us know who that player is. Uh, we have had a tweet in from Morgan uh, on Twitter. Uh, good evening, Morgan. Big hello uh, to Morgan. Uh, who says, JJ for Wales would be awesome, and I think he would be absolutely awesome, uh, you know, j- just from the, the free kick and corner point of view. Um, and also asks, could Kashket qualify for Israel? Now, I have looked into this, and I can't actually find the answer um, as to whether or not, um, if you are Jewish, you automatically qualify for Israel. Um, possibly somebody out there can tell us. If you know, then do uh, tweet us, um, uh, hashtag TWWS. Uh, but a good question. Um, Scott definitely, you know, has, has represented England uh, in various um, uh, sort of like even sports uh, previously. Um, so, uh, you know, where, whether or not would he represent Israel or England? I don't quite know. Uh, but certainly I would think, you know, if, if he was good enough and he's certainly proving to be a bit of a handful in the championship, you know, maybe an in England call one day. Almost 50-50 between Joe and Scott and I. We'll let you know how that wraps up uh, before the close of the show. We're chatting to Will the Chef next. Love music. Love talk. Love Wickham Sound. Final part of the Wickham Wanderers show this evening. Before we look ahead to the Sheffield Wednesday game, uh, another new feature. We've already had Bob Reed to us from an old programme. Uh, now, this, this could be a new feature anyway. We ask Will the Chef. Indeed. Uh, as you probably know, um, uh, today and tomorrow, uh, Wickham Wanderers have been inviting local families uh, to go down to Adams Park and enjoy a free takeaway meal. Um, this is um, in recognition of the excellent work that Manchester United and England forward Marcus Rashford has done in campaigning for free meals for underprivileged school children during the holiday period. Uh, it was David Wheeler who initiated the project uh, and he went along to the club today, uh, along with Daryl Horgan. Uh, Um, to provide support in uh, the kitchen. Joining us on the line now, though, uh, is the man who was actually responsible for cooking the food. Uh, It is Will. Good evening, Will. Hello there. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, So you are Will the chef. Are you the chef actually officially for Wickham Wanderers? 
Um, I'm a, a chef that works alongside with the Wanderers of the um, providing hospitality and catering for hopefully match day events once we're allowed back to the stadium. Okay, so 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 very much it's sort of the, the hospitality side. Do, do you ever cook for the players? Um, I haven't at the moment. Uh, the restrictions through to obviously the COVID situation we're all suffering from. Um, they have, uh, we can have their own chef at the training ground providing meals for the players that come match day that we, um, I don't actually get to eat them. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, interesting to know, though, that they do actually have their own chef and just how much football has changed. Uh, and almost presumably that is slightly so that uh, after training's finished, they don't sort of think, right, okay, well, you know, I'm going to go into the Eden Centre, I'm going to go to Wickham Marshall, maybe have a KFC or stop at Beaconsfield <laughs> Services on the way home. Absolutely. It's all about eating, balanced diets and fitness for these players on this level. Yeah, yeah, and very, very important too. Um, so tell us about today and, and what happened uh, down at Adams Park um, at lunchtime. Well, we had a very busy day down there today. Um, obviously, through David, we were approaching the football club uh, regarding Marcus Bashford's great appeal to um, help uh, provide food and these uh, underprivileged children. Um, David went to the club asking for us to assist. Um, we had a quick meeting in the offices um, with the commercial guys, myself, um, another caterer got last, last in Wickham. Um, all pulled together, find our local suppliers up. We got hold of a load of free produce, cooked up a great meal for anyone that wants to come along yesterday and today. So we're cooking in the range of about 400 meals, providing over the two days. And that, yeah, that's that's quite a lot of meals then. That, that, that's that's a decent amount, presumably. It certainly is, yeah. Army, sorry, do I say, in the kitchen, um, working away, beefing away, getting meals done uh, the lads to come down from the club to give us a hand as well which is fantastic to get their support because they believe in this uh, as much as we do yeah absolutely and it, you know it is wonderful um a wonderful initiative by all involved and i know that there's you know there's quite a lot of organizations as well um you know it's the sports and education trust who've got behind it uh, i understand that dreams have got behind it as well so you know it, it there's, there's a lot um you know a lot of goodwill from the community behind this scheme there certainly is. I mean, local supermarkets have assisted as well with providing produce, local farm shops. Um, we've also delivered to um, Hills Cafe in Micklefield. They're going to be uh, delivering or handing out, sorry, these meals tomorrow for us as well. So we can do a lot of local community events that are happening, just supporting people in this time. Okay, fantastic. Um, we'll, we, I think we'll leave it there because your mobile phone is ever so slightly dodgy. But thank you so much for joining us on the Wickham Wanderer Show. Um, as you say, um, so if you are interested, you can go down to Adams Park tomorrow uh, between 12 and 2 o'clock for a free takeaway meal. Pretty much no questions asked whatsoever. There are other places as well in Wickham that are doing this initiative. Um, it's obviously the last day because it is the last day of half term tomorrow. Um, so Buck Student Union are doing it. If you go along to the lounge, which is the cafe on queen alexandra road that's between 12 and two o'clock um then they will provide a meal for school-aged children uh, you can also go um as will said to uh the hills cafe in micklefield they are providing free meals uh, all week for kids um and there's also the tara's londis store um in brinkley avenue as well uh, if you take along an adult uh, then you can get uh, a free free food uh, from tara's londis uh, with no purchase required but 
a brilliant uh, initiative, uh, really from everybody, from so many organisations, but fantastic that Wickham Wanderers are involved as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Great, great, uh, great work by the club. And as you say, that's tomorrow between 12 and 2, uh, which is a nice way to sort of round off the half term, if you like. And also coming up on Saturday, of course, uh, the, a game against the, the only team <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with, with fewer points or less points than, than Wickham in the table, Sheffield Wednesday, which, um, as Gareth mentioned a little earlier on, some of the teams coming up sounds like a bit a lot of cup ties. Yeah, it? I mean, you know, it, it has been quite exciting. Or, you know, if we hadn't have been looking for our first point, I think we would have been thinking, oh, wow, you know, Norwich, Watford, Sheffield Wednesday, Birmingham City, Nottingham Forest. It does sound, you know, like a sort of a, an FA Cup run or something like that. Uh, and fantastic that actually, you know, we're, we're playing these teams now, you know, on, on merit because we are in the same division as them. Um, and, you know, you look at some of these teams and Sheffield Wednesday in particular, they, they you know, they, they got off to quite a good start. Clearly they started on minus 12 because of the, uh, you know, the various financial regulations of the EFL that they fell foul of. Um, and it, it, for a little while I was sort of thinking oh goodness me you know uh, I think we were all quite pleased that yes you know there was a, a team who was on, on a considerable number of points below us and suddenly it looked like well they were going to just wipe out those points within about four games but actually now it hasn't happened that way uh, and they have lost their last three so they're currently stuck on minus four um, and yes it, it doesn't seem to be a very happy ship there at the moment um, in particular the fact that they lost to Rotherham uh, on uh, Wednesday night 3-0 I also wonder whether that might make a difference as well the fact that actually they played on Wednesday and obviously we played on Tuesday night uh, and you know just that extra 24 hours rest is that gonna gonna uh, go in our favour hopefully it is and having seen especially the last two games do you feel that the players will really have had a boost going into the Sheffield Wednesday game with improved performances improved chances oh, and definitely. obviously goals as well and getting a point now too yeah absolutely I you know I, it, it's always a very very positive place to be um, but I you know they they can't help but be inspired by the performance over Norwich but then particularly what happened against Watford that actually yes they performed really really well um, and got something out of the game finally you know that was the the crushing thing about the Norwich game uh, was that you know we played so well and then it was snatched away from us right at the last moment the fact that that didn't then happen against Watford uh, was brilliant and I think yeah de definitely will be uh, you know uh, something that the players will be sort of taking into the, the game against Sheffield Wednesday uh, and you know and, and ensuring that actually yeah they they get off to a similar start because you know they really went for Watford right from the word go uh, and it was you know it was very noticeable um, I, I do wonder uh, particularly say with the Watford game and you know a couple of others already this season so Reading and Millwall you did get the impression that maybe uh, partly our position uh, in the table partly because we're this small club perceived small club who's come up from League One I think we are being slightly underestimated particularly in the first half by these teams and you do very much get the sense that actually you know at half time uh, the manager of the opposition is having quite a stern word in his players ears um, because definitely Watford uh, Reading and Millwall all came out um, in the second half looking a lot more up for it and a lot more suddenly you know taking the game seriously whereas in the first half possibly they you know they didn't in quite the same way and you get the impression certainly from hearing gareth's comments that you know wickham's philosophy if you like is very much to, to make it difficult to play against them yeah absolutely uh, and you know straight away that's what we were doing with watford uh, you know with, with their back three uh, we were trying to make them make mistakes uh, and the fact that you've got somebody like scott cashcat who is so quick and so fast you know he does chase down all of those passes between 
between the defenders uh, and the goalkeeper and you can see the the mistakes coming um and you know and clearly against Millwall that's exactly what happened against Norwich again as well you know it was a mistake that really led to our goal um so you know long may that continue um interestingly Sheffield Wednesday are slightly struggling at the back so they lost centre-backs uh, Aidan Flint and Tom Lees um to an injury and to a red card um in their game uh, against Rotherham uh, so neither will feature at Adams Park uh, on Saturday uh, meaning that they only have one fit recognised central defender uh, so again I think that's you know that that's probably playing into our hands particularly if we play their front three um, of uh, Bayo Scott Kashket uh, and then maybe either uh, Fred or Daryl Horgan uh, I think we could make it quite a long afternoon for them and you definitely noticed on Tuesday as well that the return of Akin Fan was a real boost oh completely yeah um, and as I said to, to Joe Jacobson you know he, he just the, 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 it's the little things that he does that bring so much to the team so it is his little flick-ons it's the way that he is able to bring the ball down so you know so there'll be a, a goal kick or there'll be say a free kick from JJ coming forward and Bayo is able to bring the ball down control the ball and then lay it off to to Kashkett to Horgan I mean particularly with Scott he, you know him and Bayo do just seem to have this telepathic sort of like relationship uh, where the the one knows exactly where the other is even if they're not looking at them um, and you know and it caused Watford so many problems on Tuesday night um, and again as I said I, I didn't really expect that that would be the case I thought it would be Watford causing us lots of problems and you know and Wickham not really getting much of a look in and it, it was the other way around uh, as with so often this season you would have watched that and you certainly wouldn't have known which team was 23rd in the table and which one had just come down from the Premier League so do you get the sense from watching the players that they really are kind of growing into the division if you like definitely yeah and I think that's one of the really good things you know we're, we're not with with all due respect to this club we're not Fulham we're not you know we're not sort of uh, you know in a division where you just think oh actually you know yeah we're going to take the money and just go back down again and you know again apologies to Fulham fans who are listening but that's sort of you know I've seen a couple of Fulham games this season that's the slight impression that you get that actually they're just being outclassed so, sure we were outclassed in the the game against Blackburn we were also pretty outclassed in the game against Swansea uh, where they never really got going once they'd scored the goals you know you still got the impression that they had a few gears that they could go through since then you know we've played really really well in in every game we've competed well and the fact that those games have come against Reading who are now five points clear and against Norwich and Watford who both were in the Premier League last season uh, speaks absolute volumes so I think you know we can go into Saturday's game uh, with you know a, a, a lot of hope and a lot of heart An interesting Gareth said with the likes of Nottingham Forest and Birmingham to come they do sound like cup ties but really relishing the, the chance to have the opportunity to play these players yeah these definitely teams. definitely and you know and you look at Birmingham well you know they, they've had a rough old you know a few seasons really where you know they've been flirting with relegation Nottingham Forest clearly this season you know have not got off to a very good start they've always already sat their manager they've now got Chris Hutton in charge who I think probably will sort them out but you know again that's you know that, that that's been a good thing um, and yeah and Sheffield Wednesday as I've already said you know clearly have got their problems uh, and there's definitely a lot of fan unrest there uh, clearly that you know doesn't now reflect itself actually inside the stadium uh, but is definitely you know something to consider to bring you the results of the poll indeed yes do oh oh I, the, the, the way that you said that i assume that you have <laughs> i don't have the shall we bring you the results of the poll he says via producer uh, right here we go okay uh, uh i do now have the results <laughs> the, the returning officer does have the results in front of them. that would be slightly embarrassing <laughs> wouldn't it uh, okay um uh, so uh, the results are in uh, and uh, it's very much it was between uh, joe jacobson uh, and scott kashkett uh, and jj is the winner he is the one that you think will get uh, the international cap or should get the international cap for wales uh, he got 54 percent to scott kashkett's 46 
six. Next week, I'll do the results of the poll. Yes, I've okay. made a note. Uh, also, next week, we'll be chatting to, ooh, Terry Evans. Uh, also, Charlotte Bagshaw will be hearing from her as well as the Wickham Wanderers ladies' season, uh, league season, uh, kicked off uh, with a fantastic win against Woodley on Sunday. Hopefully, they'll have a second win to talk to us about next week as well. And I will give you um, uh, my, my reaction and opinions to uh, the games over Sheffield Wednesday uh, and also Birmingham City, which, of course, is next Wednesday evening. Much to look forward to. Uh, don't forget, there's the podcast as well to catch up on on the Wickham Wanderers show. You can, uh, if you've just tuned in, you can hear our chat with Dennis Atkins and uh, hopefully perhaps manager Gareth Ainsworth will be handing out bacon and tea to the players uh, if they do really well. <laughs>